Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. To, all right, here we go. Stuff that we got wrong. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Been dreading this and filibustering for close to an hour now <laughs> to try and push this one off. And we are going to have to rush through it a little bit. Oh, darn. But, no. uh, so, but let's go ahead and get into it. We said we would, so let's do this. These are some players that you were high on going into 2018 and you got it wrong. Yeah, I'll start with Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much just because, you know, this is a guy that we've already addressed, uh, you know, multiple times in this episode. So, um, But I was expecting a top five quarterback. He's been quarterback 12. Uh, early in the year, he was top five. I thought he showed the potential to be a top five quarterback in this league, especially with that supporting cast. But, I mean, that offense really sputtered, and he was part of the reason uh, for that. So, um, you know, they hit kind of a midseason wall. They're turning it up here, uh, waiting the season. So, um, I don't know going forward with Kirk Cousins, kind of how I feel about him, but I was disappointed in his performance this year. Tom Brady's another one, uh, quarterback 13 right now. So he's not even a QB one. I know age is a concern. I think the supporting cast is probably the worst that he's had around him in quite some time. Um, and I think it only gets better. So, you know, next year if Brady comes back, which I kind of expect he will, I think that, you know, he, he'll, he'll be better next year. So I, I, my out, my, you know, I don't have that bleak of an outcome for Brady, um, moving in next year, but, but this year he definitely disappointed. Carlos Hyde was a guy, well, he opened up as a starting running back in Cleveland. I really felt like the starting running back in Cleveland this year was going to have a good year. I just didn't know the Browns were going to be ready to move on from Carlos Hyde as quick as they were. Uh, once he was, went to Jacksonville, it was clear that he was just going to be a four-net replacement. And even that wasn't – he wasn't 100% with that, you know, because T.J. Yeldon was kind of the guy there. So Carlos Hyde's running back 49 right now, and I totally swung a miss there. I thought that he would at least be, you know, the the main guy for, for you know, most of the season before Nick Chubb kind of took over, and I was way wrong. Let's go to another Brown that I was wrong on, and that was Jarvis Landry. Um, it looked like – the, new, the coaching staff wanted to get him the, the ball down the field a little bit more. He looked to be, in my eyes, the only legitimate wide receiver option going into the season for them. Um, you know, it was hard for me to really trust Josh Gordon. Uh, Jarvis Landry started the year, and he looked pretty good. And then that was it. I mean, the, Josh Gordon left. Jarvis Landry was the number one. He's clearly not a number one receiver. And it's disappointing. Uh, he's wide receiver 21 right now, and uh, I, I expected him to be a low-end uh Low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, where I had him ranked. So I, I swung and missed with him. Trey Burton's another guy. I, I had him towards the, the top. I had him as, I think, my tight end four or five. So I didn't miss totally on him. But I don't feel good about him because, I, I you know, like we addressed earlier, John, like you kind of addressed, this was a tight end that really earlier in the year looked better. 
And then later in the year, he kind of looked worse. And that's my thing was I thought Trey Burton was going to get better. He was going to become more involved in this offense. The more comfortable he got in this offense with with Nagy. And it's almost turning out to be the opposite. And that's kind of where I feel like I missed on him is because I don't, I, you know, especially if you have him in like a dynasty league, I don't feel great moving forward with Trey Burton as I thought I would. Um, another guy I swung and missed on was Demarius Thomas. I thought this was his swan song in Denver. I thought this would be his last year there, but I thought he would make it one that, you know, would, would be beneficial for him going into free agency. Um, and that wasn't the case. Emmanuel Sanders was the number one there again. Demarius Thomas um, was expendable. You know, they moved on. They traded him to Houston. And even in Houston, you know, it's taken him a little bit to kind of get his legs under him. But, you know, he hasn't really performed at that high of a level um, opposite of DeAndre Hopkins with Will Fuller being injured and Kiki Kuti being hurt. You would have expected that uh, he would get uh, targeted a little bit heavily, uh, more heavily than he has been there. He's wide receiver 33 on the year. Um, so, I mean, he's a wide receiver three. Uh, on the season, and uh, and I don't know going forward how comfortable I would be having him going into free agency. Um, and the last guy is Allen Robinson, and this is a guy that you had kind of stated that you were uh, you were right on because you were low on him, and uh, I wasn't. I really thought that this Bears offense and Matt Nagy was were going to be innovative enough to use him year one and get him the ball. And yeah, I also felt like I knew he was going to a new team with a new quarterback. But I thought that a lot of those, you know, a lot of the weapons that were there were going to be first-time pieces. It's going to be a new offense, uh, Matt Nagy's first year there. So I felt like everybody was kind of on that same same learning curve. But Allen Robinson had done it before, you know, with new coaching staffs and new new teammates and that sort of thing. So I felt like he had an upper hand. Uh, I was wrong. You know, he's wide receiver 35. He's missed some time. Even when he has been in there, um, he's had some big games and he's had some games where he just disappears. So he was hard to rely on. And moving forward, I, I, I really, I've always had trouble reading Allen Robinson in fantasy. And uh, and moving forward, that's that's not going to be any different. So, uh, what do you think, John? How's my list here? So Trey Burton is kind of the one that jumps off the page to me. That one's pretty interesting because, you know, I I actually mentioned him as a guy that I was high on going into 2018 and got that right. So I, to me, I felt like tight end eight was pretty good for him. I mean, I, I did mention that there was just kind of a, a big ma- a big mess of, of tight ends kind of in that range. And, you know, some it, it they easily could have finished anywhere from, you know, 20 to, you know, tight end six, something like that. But um, for Ty- for Trey Burton to get the type of volume in that offense to make it to tight end eight, I thought was pretty good. But um, mm-hmm. sounds like you were just kind of in general just higher on him than that. Yeah, I think I think he comes with an, a bit of an asterisk because I I think for me if you have him in redraft that was fine, um, but in dynasty I don't feel good about him moving forward. And I felt like it was going to be the opposite. I felt like his season was going to be give him a few weeks to get get acclimated to this offense, to get his feet under him. You know, he's he's moving on to a new city, getting into a new offense with a new quarterback, all the things that, you know, we said with Allen Robinson. But I felt like Trey Burton was going to get better as the year progressed, and it's it's been the opposite. I feel like he put up better numbers early in the year, and later in the year has kind of faded out. And so in a dynasty, I don't feel good about owning him moving forward. So I guess that was kind of my thing was that my process 
my thought process with him was that he was going to get better as the year went on, and it was the opposite. So for redraft, you know, I'm 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 okay. If you took him in redraft, I think that you know tight end eight was right about where we were expecting. Me, I was maybe a little higher on him, maybe that six to seven range, but eight is okay. Um, but in dynasty, I'm still a little concerned with him moving forward. I don't know that I feel very good if I have him rostered in a dynasty league. So I guess that's kind of my asterisk with him on that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I'm kind of thinking Adam Shaheen might be the tight end to own for Chicago. So, yeah, he might be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, I mean he's 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 more the the prototypical tight end, which is you know size wise, um, and it, as far as his blocking goes as well. So I and I just think that that's the type of thing that gets you onto the field more often than you know just kind of the the quick, somewhat undersized pass catching tight end that Trey Burton really kind of is. So. Anyways, yeah, that that's an interesting one for us to continue to explore throughout this the off season here. But here are my guys I was high on and I got all these wrong. So first of all, Case Keenum. I know it could <laughs> there's definitely a Homer component to that. And I also I had said something in the off season that ended up being pretty controversial. At the time I said that he he moved on to an overall better and more complete arsenal of weapons with the Denver Broncos than what he had in Minnesota last year and you know the theory was Adam Thielen Stephon Diggs those guys are better than both of those guys are better than anyone that the Denver Broncos had going into the 2018 season but after that there's a huge drop-off to Kyle Rudolph and Laquan Treadwell and you know the 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 running backs the pass catching running backs which ended up being mostly Dalvin Cook when he was actually healthy, whereas the Broncos gave you Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, and uh, you know at the time Carlos Henderson, as well as you know Jake Butt, Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, and then you know Philip Lindsay ended up being a pretty a pretty adept pass catcher. Devontae Booker is still a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. And even Royce Freeman can can catch the ball out of the backfield. So it was just the idea that there are way more weapons. You know, just And they could do more on offense. But as those guys started to fall off due to injury, and then, you know, Demarius obviously gets gets traded to Houston in midseason, um, but Emmanuel Sanders with the Achilles, Jake Butt with the ACL, Jeff Hireman, I don't even remember what his injury was. His was kind of late in the season. Uh, Troy Fumagalli never even made it onto the ac- active roster. He still had injuries from from his college days. Uh, it, 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 this, the, the group just got very depleted, and even worse than that, the offensive line got very depleted. Not to make excuses for Case Keenum, he was never particularly sharp with the Broncos he certainly didn't look as good in 2018 as he did in 2017 with the Minnesota Vikings it's very possible that the supporting cast had something to do with that I think that it had way more to do with the play calling I think he had some some far superior play calling with the Minnesota Vikings with Pat Shermer than what he had in uh here in Denver I don't know. I, I I have a hard time, you know, feeling particularly good about Case Keenum going forward. 
um, to a point where I've got him ranked as quarterback 32 um, out of uh, I've ranked 39 uh, or no 31 I've got him at 30 30 (laughs) damn it I've got him at quarterback 30 out of I ranked 37 quarterbacks and I've got him at, at number 30 so I mean one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL and for fantasy purposes Quarterback 19, to me, might even be his ceiling, especially now that we're going to see. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is not coming back. An Achilles injury at 31 years old, that's pretty much. that. And he was in a lock year. He was gone anyways. But I don't know how he comes back from that injury to be anywhere near as productive as he's been throughout his career to this point. So now you're relying on on the young guys and you're kind of just starting over you're kind of building around Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton and Philip Lindsay in that group of tight ends I I think they're that they probably bring someone in in the offseason but I don't think that Case Keenum is going to have anywhere near the the type of weapons that he had at his disposal uh, when his tenure here in Denver started so uh, yeah, I, quarterback 19 was the best he could do, and I think it's the best he's going to do. Marcus Mariota, quarterback 22, he did deal with injuries. I thought that there was some positive regression coming um, just because of how efficient he had been throughout his career before 2017, and it just didn't happen that way. Um, the, I mean, the receiving targets just weren't very good, especially when Delaney Walker went down. Things got tough. Um, but and then again, de- just dealing with injuries, dealing with uh, an ineffective running game for a lot of the season, they're just not a whole lot good in Tennessee. And Marcus Mariota was kind of the start of that. David Johnson, I pegged David Johnson to be the running back number one overall. Well, I I thought Dalvin Cook would be the guy, but David Johnson of the you know of the guys that we were that you talk about as as being the top pick in a startup or the first running back drafted at least, I felt way better about David Johnson than I did, you know, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. I preferred David Johnson going into the season. He was running back nine. That's not bad, but I mean that that's in essentially half a season. Once they fired Mike McCoy, that's when things finally opened up for David Johnson. They switched from Sam Bradford to Josh Rosen, and things started to turn around. But, you know, it it took him a a very solid finish to the season to get to running back nine after how poorly he started. And that, to me, that makes that RB9 look actually even worse than it was because of how inconsistent he ended up being throughout the season. Ronald Jones, running back 94, and he loses me a bet to Travis because Peyton Barber scored six touchdowns. Uh, Ronald Ronald Jones scored one, and uh, that was our bet, total touchdowns between the two. You and I both were pretty high on Ronald Jones going into the season, and I I don't know that that story is fully written. I think I'm going to be high on Ronald Jones again going into 2019. Peyton Barber is not that good of a running back. He just, I mean, it just it, it wasn't a great offense, 
It was a, and it was a horrible defense that put them in a pretty negative game script a lot of the time as far as running the ball. It was it, they had to throw it. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to keep them in games. Jameis Winston, for the most part, was not. But there just kind of wasn't a path for Ronald Jones to even get on the field, much less touch the ball. Chris Hogan ends up as a wide receiver 24. And kind of after the season he had in 2017, I thought that that they might be a little bit more open to using the Josh McDaniels might be a little bit more open to using the outside wide receivers, but then they trade for Josh Gordon and he ends up being the kind of the focal point. And especially when Julian Edelman came back, even before the trade for Josh Gordon, uh, it, it, they're just kind of, they ran out of, of footballs to go around and there was nothing left for Chris Hogan and uh, Keelan Cole ends up being wide receiver 86 and that I mean that one really comes back on to Blake to Blake Bortles above all else Blake Bortles certainly has kind of a a rapport with Keelan Cole but I mean Blake Bortles has been so ineffective this season that he got benched for Cody Kessler so it, it there just kind of wasn't really a path for Keelan Cole either if the quarterback can't even keep his job and finally, Rico Gathers, one of my favorite sleeper tight ends. He ended up being tight end 100. I didn't even know that they rank him that high. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was a tight end 100. I didn't know that there were 100 tight ends in the league who <laughs> got fantasy points. And uh, so, yeah, Rico Gathers. They're just the the Dallas Cowboys had Jeff Swaim and Blake Jarwin and those guys were they used those guys more than they used Rico Gathers but it, they just don't use the tight end position anymore i guess um since Jason Witten left they're just not really interested in in using the tight ends and now i mean watch for Noah Font to land there and and just clear up the whole mess um yeah so uh, those are my guys. I was high on every one of those guys, and every one of those guys made me look pretty bad. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really interesting list too because uh, I I think I was on board with some of these. I mean, Ronald Jones, you mentioned that we both swung a miss there, and you're right. I don't think the story is totally written for him yet. But as far as this year goes, I mean, he showed nothing, and he had no opportunity, and there's probably a reason why he didn't. So that's alarming for sure. Um, the quarterbacks are, are interesting that you listed here. Um, I know you are higher than than uh, than the consensus with Keenum, and I, I know you are higher than I was with Mariota, and that didn't work out for multiple reasons. But it'll be interesting to see with both those guys moving forward because they both probably have an opportunity next year um, to at least try to try to you know redeem themselves. So that's interesting. David Johnson's an interesting name too. Um, I was higher on him than where he's at now as running back nine as well. Um, and a caveat here, I do want to mention too that uh, because I know that I'm, I, you know, I was higher on Le'Veon Bell than most, and obviously that didn't come to fruition. He's off the list only because I mean he didn't really, he didn't play. Um, so, so I don't, I, I didn't want to include him um, on this list. But, uh, but a lot of the names that you have here, um, you know, I was, I was kind of high on too. So it, it's interesting to see kind of where they fell. Um, you know, Rico Gathers, like you said, tight end 100. I mean, I would have, yeah. I, 
who is sitting there ranking 100 tight ends, man? That's that's <laughs> the question to me. Uh, but, yeah, uh, an interesting list, John. And, uh, yeah, we, we definitely got some uh, some cleaning up to do for next year to make sure that we're not, uh, you know, we don't even have this many players that we're high on that we're, uh, we're wrong about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, the, the quarterbacks, to me, are pretty compelling. Just, you know, going forward, maybe instead of, you know, just assuming that they can make something out of, you know, a mediocre wide receiver core. In both cases, that's what it was. I mean, you know, Corey Davis and a bunch of nothing in Tennessee for Mariota. And Emmanuel Sanders was kind of the, the, the best that the Broncos had to start the season. And neither one of those guys is, you know, elite by any stretch of the imagination. So maybe that's the part that we should have trusted. We should have just said, you know what, I, I don't care how many wide receivers they have. If they don't have that one guy, they don't have that one that that one alpha, you know, that that wide receiver one type of guy, they're, then the quarterback isn't going to do much. And I think that that's probably, you know, for the most part, that's across the board. I think Cam Newton had a better season without a without a true wide receiver one. Russell Wilson had a decent season without a, a true wide receiver one. But the rest of these guys that you look at at the top of the wide receiver list or the, the quarterback list, you know, they, they all have that guy. So... You know, Mahomes, Roethlisberger, Ryan, Rogers, Watson, Breeze, even Andrew Luck with T.Y. Hilton, you know, Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins. Um, these these are all guys, these guys all have that one wide receiver that they can always, they can always kind of lean on. And Mariota and Keenum did not have that. So I think that's going to be kind of an important trend line for us to follow. But let's get yeah. to some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's going to be that's an interesting debate to have because is Corey Davis not a wide receiver one because Mariota isn't good enough to sustain a wide receiver one? Or is it Corey Davis isn't good enough to be a wide receiver one and that's affecting Mariota as far as, you know, his numbers go? So, yeah, that's um, that's a good point, too. And and yeah, I mean, it it almost feels like those two need to go hand in hand as far as our projections for 2019. If you believe in in Corey Davis, then you're safe to believe in Marcus Mariota and vice versa. But if you don't feel like Corey Davis is going to take that step and become a wide receiver one in the league, then I don't know how you feel good about Marcus Mariota. Mm -hmm. I agree. Cool. Let's get to our last group of guys. These are ones that we got wrong that we were low on, and they ended up not being nearly as bad as as we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I'm going to try to fly through these. Uh, first off, I'm going to start with Andrew Luck. We talk about him all the time. I was totally wrong. Um, even with a soup for a shoulder, Andrew Luck is a QB1. <laughs> he is that good. Um, I, I give him props. Melvin Gordon, uh, running back seven on the year. I'm tired of questioning this guy. I'm tired of uh, – he's by far having his most efficient season in yards per carry goes. Um, and the touchdown regression isn't coming, apparently. He can just score double-digit touchdowns year in and year out, and I'm tired of questioning it because it's it's, it's sustainable, apparently. 
Um, Robbie Anderson was a guy I wasn't touching. I thought he had a suspension coming. Apparently, you can say whatever you want to a police officer, not be suspended, and everything's going to be okay. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the uh, welcome to the NFL where, you know, you pick and choose who gets suspended and all that. Uh, so Robbie Anderson ended up a whole lot better than I thought because he didn't miss any time, and he, he really down the stretch looked a whole lot better than he did early in the year. Um Lamar Miller is a guy, he's running back 22, but I didn't even expect that. I thought he might lose his job by midseason. Um, he was a guy I was not high on going uh, going into the season at all, and he, he's been a lot better, especially, you know, over the course of the season. He's, he's had his spots where he's he's had some really solid games, and uh, he's he's been okay, um, and I didn't even think he would do that. Amari Cooper is one that I'm putting on here with a question mark because he's wide receiver 17, um, on the year. So, I mean, he's a mid range wide receiver too, which is kind of, kind of where I thought mid to low end wide receiver two is where I think his ceiling is. And a lot of people are head over heels for him. They think that now that he's on Dallas, he is going to be, you know, a, a top 12 to 15 wide receiver. I, I don't see it year in and year out him being that high. Um, I question whether or not Dallas is going to stand pat at the wide receiver position. I mean, I think they need to add to it, and I think they need to add some pass catching and playmakers either at the wide receiver position, the tight end position, somewhere. And I think that's going to negatively affect Amari Cooper moving forward. I don't think Dak Prescott is is a guy that can support a wide receiver one and, you know, anything else really. And and Zeke just, you know, he's, he's the bell cow there. He's going to be the guy that, in my opinion, moving forward is is going to be the guy that the, the offense is centered around. So, um Amari Cooper, I was wrong on this year. I just don't know moving forward if I am or not. I guess we'll we'll kind of see in the offseason how I feel about that. And then Matt Barreto was another guy. I did not think Matt Barreto was going to be very good. Even with Jarek McKinnon going down, I was not a believer in Matt Barreto, and I am sorry because I was wrong. When this guy's healthy, he looks really good. He looks the part. He looks like he's more than capable of carrying that workload. He ends up the running back 24. So, uh, you know, the, a low-end, back-end uh, running back two for you on the season. But he missed some time with injuries. Um, and when he was in there, you can rely on him. He was good, especially on a team that struggled a little bit. So, um, yeah, those those were guys that I was low on that I totally missed on, John. What uh, what sticks out to you out of those names? Cooper, for sure. I mean, there, there are a couple guys on here. You know, we've talked about Melvin Gordon in the past. He's just kind of the... The poster child of of negative regression is is looming. You know, he he his numbers continue to improve every single season, and you know he not only that he improves a part of his game that you know has been lacking in the past. That keeps happening. Um, Matt Breda is another one I I agreed with. You know, I felt like uh, even with McKinnon out, Matt Breda was going to be the pass catching back, the change of pace guy, and Alfred Morris was going to be the guy to to really shoulder the load and it it sure didn't shake out that way um but amari cooper is the toughest one because you know not only did he fall somewhere right around where you thought that he would but that's also with a pretty significant i I mean his situation changed entirely when he was traded to dallas and you know the projection of of him being a low-end wide receiver too going into the season that was with the assumption that he was going to be an Oakland Raider with you know Derek Carr throwing the ball to him a few times a game and John Gruden calling plays 
where they run right up the middle every single play. And, you know, and then everything changed when he goes to Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott in Dallas. And uh, so, I mean, he's, he salvaged his season, but um, I, I don't know how much of, a, of an L you can take on that one considering, you know, if, if we projected him to change teams, I think our projections for his finish also would have been far different. Fair enough. Yeah, that, I, I guess that makes sense. When when I analyzed Amari Cooper, it was his current situation in Oakland, and obviously that did change midseason, and that really uh, helped bolster his numbers. Um, I, I Amari Cooper is someone that we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, in the offseason, a fair deal, because he's someone that I'm still not buying into, and I, I have a feeling most people are. I'm going to be lower than consensus on him. And so that's that's kind of where I, I almost feel like I'm taking an L there because not only, you know, did I have him ranked a little bit lower, but also I think moving forward I'm going to too. So um, that'll be an interesting kind of case study to, to watch him in Dallas, especially in the offseason, to see what they do moving forward, John. Um, yeah. I, I'm really interested in hearing your list too, though, because uh, I have a feeling you got some names on here that are going to be uh, eye-popping as well. Yeah, my I've got some pretty big names on my list. <laughs> so, and it starts with number one overall, Pat Mahomes, quarterback one, player number one, the best. He he's on track here for the best fantasy season. Depending on what happens here in week seventeen, the best fantasy season in the history of fantasy football. Oh, so, QB one. That's right. Yeah. QB one. <laughs> yeah, Q, QB one, number one, but not number one overall. Not even QB one overall for me in my superflex mm-hmm. rankings. But I mean, that's the season he just had, certainly. And I, as much as I loved Pat Mahomes, you know, it, it, the the very moment that the Kansas City Chiefs moved up in the 2017 draft to take him. I was smitten with him, but I just could not, I I could not get on board with a first year starter, you know, giving you quarterback one type of numbers, not even quarterback one overall, but like top 12 quarterback type of numbers. I didn't, I I couldn't envision that coming. I thought that it was going to be a lot of turn and handoff to Kareem Hunt. I think I thought there were going to be some dink and dunk passing, to Tyreek Hill and to Travis Kelsey. And I I mean they they just have had absolutely no reservations with you know with loosening the reins on him and just letting him throw it, just letting him air it out. And he rewarded him with, you know, a playoff berth and he and rewarded his fantasy owners with I again the the best fantasy season in the history of the league. So um, it, it, it wasn't that I was particularly low on Pat Mahomes. It was just that I could not have ever imagined the type of season that he just had. And, and it makes me think that going forward, you know, maybe, maybe the learning curve shortens on second year quarterbacks, um, regardless of whether or not it's their first year as a starter. Jared Goff, quarterback nine. I was I was pretty low on him, and again, you know, we mentioned it earlier. It was the lack of of volume in 2017, and I had a hard time believing that there was that there was going to be a significant uptick. And sure enough, I mean, he's improved his his stats across the board, 
and uh, he's he's thrown more passes, um, he's completed more passes, he's thrown more touchdowns. They've used Todd Gurley less. That's part of it. But they've also they haven't completely gone away from Todd Gurley. They've just used him more in the passing game. Um, which brings me to Todd Gurley, running back two, who, you know, after the season that he had in 2017, I just, I could not buy into him, um, you know, if if we're expecting anything close to that. Well, here we are, running back two overall, and, uh, you know, and that's after missing the uh, last week's game with an injury. He'll miss uh, week 17 as well, although... You know, I'd, to me, that part doesn't count anymore. We're going strictly off of the numbers through week 16. So that's with that missed game. Um, he's missed a little bit of time here and there, and he's also had some rough outings against, you know, Chicago, among others. And he still finishes his running back, too. Um, the, the, just the way they use him, the way they're able to use him, the way Sean McVay is able to create lanes for him is just is just unreal. And until further notice, I I think that you have to bank on that. That being said, Saquon Barkley is still my running back one in Dynasty. But Todd Gurley's a close second. (laughs) Alvin Kamara, running back four, and he also had an outlier season in 2017. We We all know how efficient he was in 2017 with a limited number of touches um, to put up the, I believe he finished his running back two or three in uh, 2017. And, you know, after the way he did that with the, the yards per carry, the yards per catch, it was just really hard to imagine that without the same type, you know, without, without additional volume. And it was hard to believe that he was going to get the volume. I thought Mark Ingram was going to get the volume. I thought they were going to ride Mark Ingram into the ground. And they haven't done that. They've stuck with Alvin Kamara. They're going to let Mark Ingram walk away as a free agent with plenty left in the tank for at least another season to whoever signs him. And Alvin Kamara is is just kind of their workhorse guy, and they're good with that. So... Um, he finishes his running back four, and I did not expect that. I did not expect him to get enough volume to accomplish that. Stephon Diggs finishes his wide receiver 12, despite missing time as injury. And it, it, it comes back to, you know, I uh, again, to me, the path for the Minnesota Vikings was through the running game and through the defense. I didn't think they wanted to be throwing the ball enough for both Diggs and Adam Thielen to to perform as well as they did both of them finish as wide receiver ones and Diggs actually has the better season of the two um, when it's all said and done it just it started off as Adam Thielen with 100 yards in seven straight games um, but by the end of it Stefan Diggs ends up being the better wide receiver of the two and uh, it, it it was it was just surprising to me for their to be that many footballs to catch for Stephon Diggs to accomplish that. Robert Woods, wide receiver 10. In a group with Cooper Cup, I, although he missed you know roughly half the season with a torn ACL, and uh, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods still ends up being the best wide receiver out of that group, which, uh, which was pretty surprising to me. I thought he was going to be the third option at best 
more likely more like fourth option with Todd Gurley being a more favorable option for Jared Goff than Robert Woods. And sure enough, Robert Woods ends up being the the target hog on that offense full of targets. And finally Austin Hooper, tight end six. And you know, and it's it's strange because I I was high on Matt Ryan, but I did not believe he was going to get there by throwing to Austin Hooper. And and it, that ended up being, you know, he it, Julio Jones still got the volume. Calvin Ridley still got enough volume, enough work, and enough receptions, yards, and touchdowns um, to be fantasy relevant and to look like a, a rising star in the league. And Austin Hooper still is enough of a part of that offense to be a top six tight end and you know it I, I that's just another one i just didn't see coming yeah there's, there's a lot of interesting names on here because there were some guys that i i was kind of in agreements uh in agree, agreement with you on uh patrick mahomes todd Gurley, alvin kamara robert woods these were guys that i wasn't um as high on as as they were going and, and i was totally wrong with too i think you nailed the reasons for for a lot of those um, and, and the one that sticks out to me is Austin Hooper. And the reason being is because tight end is one of those positions that I traditionally don't invest heavily in. So Austin Hooper was a guy who you could get on the cheap. And I, I just had rostered in a bunch of places. And it was one of those where, you know, I'd have five starting tight ends, but none of them were any good. And so I was playing matchups normally for the for the year. But Austin Hooper helped that because he was, you know, he was good. He was he was a tight end one. And I think. Matt Ryan using Austin Hooper really helped him out. Matt Ryan out a lot because using the middle of the field, using that tight end, and uh, you know really being able to to take advantage of some of the mismatches that he helped provide um, helped Matt Ryan out this season as far as his fantasy numbers go too. So uh, Austin Hooper was an interesting one and one that I'm really happy with that uh, that he ended up performing well. But yeah, this list, um, there's there's a lot of uh, heavy hitters on here that were swings and misses that, again, I was probably on board with you uh, for, for a lot of those, John, too. So, um, whoops. <laughs> that hurts a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's going to make, it's going to make this offseason very difficult for me, a couple of these. Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, they kind of hurt the argument that, you know, running backs are kind of a year-to-year, week-to-week proposition. And then Pat Mahomes, I mean, God, I'm going to be arguing for months about whether or not Pat Mahomes should be the quarterback one and the number one overall in Superflex. Well, the only reason why you're going to be arguing for months is because you're going to be the only one who doesn't have him as the quarterback one. I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. So you're the only one wrong is basically what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Enjoy starting out 2019 this way, John. (laughs) We might as well. Here we go. Yeah, we might as well. It's not quite. It's not even 2019 yet. But let's just let's just get it started early. This is how this entire year is going to go. But enjoy buying Pat Mahomes at his absolute ceiling. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, I, I will agree with that. If you're <laughs> taking him now, he's his value's never been higher. So I, it'll never yeah, be I higher. Either. He he won't have another season like this. Well, even if he does, he's a year older. So I guess I guess yeah. <laughs> his value probably isn't gonna be as high. I guess so. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, so we've definitely gone long here, but um, to me, this is a pretty important episode, and this is just a, kind of a—it's another brick in the wall that we're uh, that we're building here um, between us and the 2018 season, and uh, you know, as as we as we start to move on from 2018 and start to lay the groundwork for 2019 and all the preparation that's going to go into that. I think we've got one more segment here, and I think that we are going to go ahead and get to it. Um, I like I said, we've gone long here already, but uh, this is this this entire exercise has just been kind of testing our theories, testing our hypotheses and our processes on uh, you know projecting and predicting these what these players were going to do. So with our newfound insight into how to predict what these what these players are going to do for fantasy purposes. Let's make some quick uh, hypothetical and theoretical predictions for 2019. And uh, this is going to essentially be your nuts. Um, just some, some players that you think are going to overperform in 2019 based on uh, you know, whatever process it is that you're using that you, that you've developed over the course of the 2018 season. And then some players that you think are going to underperform. And we've each got a, a quick list of some guys. So let's go through that real quick and start with you, James. Yeah, absolutely. I want to start with the underperformers. I'm going to start with the hate, uh, hate, hate, hate that nice. we're going to, you know, some player haters ball here. Yeah. Um, I'm starting with Russell Wilson. Um, I think next year Russell Wilson's in for a regression. I, the Seattle defense is getting an awful, uh, really good, uh, awful lot better. And I, I feel like that the formula for them to win is, is hey, they're going to play tough defense. They're going to run the ball, ball control. I don't think Russell Wilson needs to fling the ball around for 300 yards and score three or four touchdowns, um, especially when you have, you know, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, and Rashad Penny. I mean, th- those guys are, are going to be bell cows. So um, I think the uh, the – Strategy to win in Seattle is going to change, and I think they're going to rely less on Russell Wilson in the passing game. So I could see some uh, regression coming for him. Alvin Kamara is another guy, and um, I just that that New Orleans team is going to have to. I mean, I think it's evident they they need some playmakers, especially at the wide receiver position. And I think when they do get that, that could mean some regression for Alvin Kamara in the passing game. Um, I know Mark Ingram is probably that's probably his last year in New Orleans. And so Alvin Kamara could be looking at, uh, you know, maybe more of a workload on the ground. But I think that comes at a cost. I think that comes at the cost of him maybe not getting as many touches in the passing game. Um, New Orleans has to address that passing game. They need to help the tight end position. They need help at the receiver position. Traquan Smith wasn't ready. Ted Ginn got hurt. And you saw it was the Michael Thomas show. When he got doubled, they really struggled. Um, so I think that, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to uh, gonna show some regression here because I think New Orleans in the offseason is going to add to that offense, um, and that's going to take some targets away from him. And Amari Cooper, look, I'm, I'm not buying the Dallas offense yet. I'm just not. I'm not buying Dak Prescott um, being this, you know, this elite passing uh, type guy. And I think Dallas is going to add to that offense, too. Michael Gallup's going to get better. He has shown flashes, too. Michael Gallup really has shown flashes that he can be the guy 
um, there. I think, you know, he's going to get better. He's going to get acclimated to the offense a little bit more. And Dallas is going to do something to address that tight end position. I think all that hurts Amari Cooper. I think um, he, he loses targets there. And I think that that offense is still going to be built around Zeke in the offensive line once that gets healthy. Um, so I, I don't know. Dallas has a good defense, too. I don't know if they need Dak slinging it around an awful lot uh, come next year. So I see Amari Cooper underperforming. John, do you, uh, do you want to get to your uh, your underperformers here? Sure. Let's do it real quick. Yeah. The, the Atlanta Falcons... Uh, you know, after I just got done raving about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and admitting that I was wrong on Austin Hooper, now they're talking about cleaning house on the coaching staff, mm-hmm. including Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. It's it, I I think that they're going to lose a lot of a lot of those guys, and they're going to have to start from square one on. Uh, uh, you know, on on a new system, a new offensive system, and I think it's going to set them back. I'm also really curious what's going to happen at the running back position. Tevin Coleman's a free agent. Ido Smith seems like he might be ready for a backup role, but with Devonta Freeman as the lead back, you almost have to man. They they have to consider bringing Tevin Coleman back. I would think Devonta Freeman just can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field. And I, it, it hasn't been great with Tevin Coleman, you know. And but above all else, just the fact that the system's going to change as the co- the coaching staff changes, um, it just leads me to believe that that entire offense is looking at some at some negative regression. Lamar Jackson as well. This is it, it, it's just not a sustainable style of play, to be totally honest. And you could say the same for Josh Allen. But, you know, neither of these guys are accurate enough as passers. And it, it's just going to be, it's just a matter of time before defensive coordinators say, you know what, let's just keep him in the pocket, make him stand and throw. And I'm I'm picking on Lamar Jackson um, because, you know, he's, that's the guy who rushed, what, 27 times in a game. Um, it, you know, he's, he he's the one looking to run on every single play. But both guys, Josh Allen as well, these are both guys who are not accurate passers. And that part needs, it's going to take a lot of work before you can really trust those guys to be, you know, starting quarterbacks in the NFL or for fantasy purposes. Um, As long as they're relying on their ability to run and they're looking to run first, I, I mean, you got to plan on some regression coming. Saquon Barkley actually, I think, is going to underperform a little bit, even though oh, wait, I've got, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got him as my dynasty running back one. Okay, okay. But I think that there's uh, a lot is going to change for the New York Giants on the offensive side, and I think it's going to take away from Saquon Barkley's volume. And I think it's going to take away from Saquon Barkley's effectiveness. Above all else, I think they're going to be able to throw the ball more effectively in 2019. I think you're looking at a new quarterback in a Pat Shermer offense. You you know, you get Beckham back healthy. You've still got Sterling Shepard. You've still got Evan Ingram. I think they're going to be more effective at throwing the ball. I think they're going to lean on Saquon Barkley far less. And this was just... (laughs) This this as good as Saquon Barkley was coming out of college at Penn State, 
I don't think that we realistically expected this from it. We didn't expect him to be this good this soon. You know, it's it's almost a, a almost a Pat Mahomes type of scenario where, you know, it, th- to me this isn't Saquon Barkley's ceiling, but it's awfully close. And I don't think that we can realistically expect him to repeat what he just did in 2019. But I do think that there are some absolute monster seasons still to come from Saquon Barkley. He's only 21 years old. He hasn't taken a whole lot of damage so far in his career. I, I And I stand by him as my dynasty running back one ranking. But for 2019, I'm just expecting a little bit of regression. And then Tyrell Williams is going to be a guy that we're going to talk a lot about in the offseason. He's probably the prize uh, free agent wide receiver. And he's going to land in a nice situation, you know, possibly with the Indianapolis Colts. And they finally get that perimeter wide receiver to complement T.Y. Hilton in the slot. And all of a sudden, Andrew Luck has this new weapon. And maybe even a legitimate wide receiver one. At least that's going to be the narrative that we create, and I don't buy it. But not only that, not only do I not buy him as a wide receiver one, like I mentioned with Allen Robinson earlier, it is just really difficult to change teams, change quarterbacks, and change systems and still produce in your first year in that new system. You know, Tyrell Williams is interesting, Um, depending on where he goes. Uh, you know, he could be a fit for like New Orleans. You know, that's that's a team that could be looking. But I think the this free agent wide receiver class is not great. And I think that being the case, I think a lot of a lot of wide receivers are going to be pushed up the draft board. Uh, there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position coming into this draft. In my opinion, I know there's a lot of people that were high on the wide receivers coming into the year and have kind of cooled on some of them, but. I still think there's a whole lot of talent at wide receiver in this draft, and I think that's where a lot of teams are going to address the uh, their wide receiver needs. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that market goes. So um, yeah, I can't I can't wait to talk rookies with you. We're going to have some awesome guests too. To to uh, and and I mean you and you and some of these guys, you know, you guys can just kind of nerd out, and I get to just sit back and listen and soak it all in. I can't wait to get to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of fun, especially picking the, you know the brains of some of those guys because they they're you know we got we got some unbelievable guests lined up and that uh, that that we have hopes to get on. So um, what, let me go to the guys who I think are going to overperform, John, next year. Early on, my early predictions: Kalen Balaj is number one. Dude, that all he needed was opportunity. He got an opportunity. He ran with it. Literally, he ran with it, and he showed that he is going to be a backup. Now, look, in the offseason, there's plenty of time to say, hey, look, let's let's look back. Let's see what worked. Kalen Balazs worked when he, when he had his opportunity. For some reason there, it doesn't seem like Miami really likes, um, you know, I, I mean, they were using Frank Gore there, uh, you know, in, in kind of a timeshare. Um for, for part of the time when Frank Gore was healthy. And the reason why Kaywin Balaj got his opportunity was the Frank Gore injury. Um, so that that was just it. it. It just seemed like for whatever reason, and I, I don't really know why, I, I haven't really heard anything um, as to, you know, why the, the Miami Dolphins felt like they needed a timeshare and why they just couldn't go with Kenyon Drake. But they, for some reason, they 
you know, they, they felt like they didn't want to rely on Kenyon Drake. So to me, that, that tells me that, you know, in the off season, you get Kalen Blage another off season to acclimate himself to the offense. Um, unfortunately, that injury Frank Gore suffered, that, that might be it for him. I mean, he's been up there, you know, uh, he's always so good. And I, I hate to say it, but it, that, that might be it for him, uh, for Frank Gore. And so Kalen Blage may end up being the, the number two going into the season, but he may also end up being the number one because they don't seem like they're they're ready to give Kenyon Drake the bell cow carries yet. So um, Kalen Blage is a guy who I think outperforms his, uh, his you know, where he's going to get drafted. Um, I, I'm going with the rookie QB1, in my opinion, coming into this year, and that's Josh Rosen. I think he outperforms his, uh, you know, his, his uh, where he's going to get drafted too. And really, it's it's mainly because I, I just think he's he's way better than what he's played. I think that offense has suffered, and I think um, I think there's major changes coming to Arizona too. Uh, you know, I, I I feel like they they need to add weapons. You know, Ricky Seals Jones has been okay at best, but I think I think they could upgrade tight end. They definitely need to add to to the wide receiving core, and they could do an awful lot on that offensive line to help out too. And the defense is getting better, and I think that with a few moves that they can get better too. And uh, this can be a competitive team, but I think Josh Rosen is going to be asked to sling the ball around a little bit more. And uh, if he has time in the pocket, I think he can really make some things happen. And I think another offseason, you know, is really going to help him acclimate to the pro game. So I expect Josh Rosen to, to outperform his his draft capital. And my last guy is Anthony Miller. I think Anthony Miller is going to be the Bears wide receiver one moving forward. Um, the guy already has eight touchdowns this year. He's developed chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. Again, give him another offseason in this offense with Matt Nagy, uh, more time to build chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. And I think I think there's there's some really good things, you know, moving forward with this connection. The Mitchell Trubisky to, to Anthony Miller connection is going to be something that's going to be a real thing moving forward. So I like Anthony Miller. I think this is a guy who is going to be the number one wide receiver in Chicago. And I think that step um, really starts next year. So I could see him outperforming where he's going to get drafted, John. I love all of those. Um, Josh Rosen is still my favorite quarterback out of that out of that rookie class yeah, as much as Rosen I like it, as much as I'm high on Baker Mayfield um, Josh Rosen is still my favorite out of that group so and then Anthony Miller is uh is going to be one of the one of my favorite sleeper wide receivers uh going into the 2019 season so yeah, yeah I love that group nice. cool um, okay so speaking of Baker Mayfield he's one of the guys who I think is going to overperform he was uh, quarterback nine and uh, for the season, and he's right there in my rankings as well. And uh, I think that um, there's, I mean, th- he, gets a, he gets some consistency, I think. I think that Freddie Kitchens probably sticks around as the offensive coordinator. You could probably speak to that better than I could uh, as far as, you know, what this coaching staff is going to look like. I don't know that Greg Williams is necessarily the answer as the head coach, but I think that there's a good chance. I mean, they, they've, there's been a, several guys, Mike McCarthy and Bruce Arians in particular, who have been kind of linked to that head coaching job. And in both cases, I think that Freddie Kitchens remains as the, the offensive coordinator. And just getting that consistency is all it really takes for Baker Mayfield. Beyond that, they've got an opportunity. They still have some cap room. You know, they still have some draft picks. 
And like you said, this is a very good group, a very good class of wide receivers. And the Browns are finally in a position where they can address some needs rather than just going best player available because the entire roster needs work. We're finally to a point where we can we can really kind of zoom in, really kind of dial in on the needs of this roster and start getting some weapons for Baker Mayfield. And man, I think that offense is going to be something. And Baker Mayfield is gonna is gonna be the leader of that team sooner rather than later, if he's not already. So I'm really excited about Baker Mayfield in 2019. Derrick Henry is another one. He came on late in the season. Uh, he's kind of established himself finally as the best running back in Tennessee. That uh, that whole offense has plenty of room for positive regression. If Marcus Mariota can finally get healthy, we talked about this earlier. If Corey Davis takes that step as the elite wide receiver that he should be and could be, and Marcus Mariota gets healthy. You know, they've got a full year in Matt LaFleur's system. There there could be a lot of good things in that Tennessee offense as well. And I think that Derrick Henry could be the primary beneficiary of that. And then finally, Allen Robinson. My entire issue going into 2018 with Allen Robinson was just the fact that he's changing teams. He's going to, he was going to an inexperienced young quarterback, you know, in his first full year as a starter um, and a new offensive system with Matt Nagy. And it just, it, it, it felt like it was going to be a down year for Allen Robinson. But now I think that he serves the purpose I, I think they got him a year early because he, he was available and they had the cap space and they had that need. I think that in 2019, you start seeing why they went out and got Allen Robinson. I think that he's going to be that elite wide receiver one in a very good offense going forward. I love it, man. I, I've come around on Baker. Obviously, I, I wasn't high on him. And right now, you know, my only knock on him is just a personal preference as far as, you know, his his on and off the field antics. But um, I, don't, I don't really feel like that affects his play. So I, I guess that that's just more or less a personal issue that I have with him more than anything. Um, because on the field, I think he's pre, he's performed pretty well. Um, he has some 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 bats still with where, where he struggles at times with consistency and with accuracy. Um, but. Overall, I think he's had a really good year, and I think the Cleveland Browns can improve his supporting cast. Um, they need a wide receiver one there, and they still have the they still have the the money to go try to get one. Um, and I don't know, you know, with the the free agency class not really being great, how they're going to do this if if they're going to try to do it through the draft or maybe a trade. But um, I think they they need to do that, and I think if they do, that's just going to help Baker. You know, get him another weapon, get him a true legitimate number one on the outside. You can play Landry in the slot, and David Njoku has been really good uh, coming down the stretch, and that way you give uh, Antonio Callaway some time, too, as the wide receiver, too, to kind of come into his own, and, uh, and you know, he can be a mismatch if he gets single covered on, you know, some of these uh, cornerback twos. So, um, yeah, I like that moving forward. Love Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, that, that call is interesting. Alan Robinson, like I said, I've had a hard time gauging him. You've been uh, a whole lot better uh, gauging, you know, kind of where he's at. So I'm going to defer to you. If you think he's going to have a bounce back year, I think that means 
we're probably both thinking Mitchell Trubisky outperforms his uh, his uh, you know where where he's going to go in most drafts too because uh, I know you said you were high on Anthony Miller too as a sleeper wide receiver and if Allen Robinson does that boy Mitchell Trubisky's probably in line for some nice numbers huh? Oh man, I hope so. That's that's the plan. That's a theory as of the very end of 2018, the calendar year here. So um, that's something that we're gonna we're gonna continue to track and we'll see if these predictions that we just made hold up um, throughout the off season. Um, and uh, we'll, but we're gonna continue to track to track these trend lines that we've uh, kind of identified here in this episode, looking back on 2018. We're going to continue to reflect as we head into the into the new year, and uh, we're going to um, you know continue to uh, to put a bow on the 2018 season in a way that helps us prepare for 2019. So all of that to look forward to on the Superflex Super Show coming up in the next in the coming weeks in the coming months. But we're going to wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, we're going to ask you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And if you have, then please, on iTunes, give us a rating and a review. Those ratings, those reviews, those help us to expand our audience and our reach, get out to new listeners, and really dial in on the the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts, Megafeed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And you can send us your trades on Twitter. We're at Superflex Show. We can retweet them, help you get more comments and votes, and sometimes even analyze them right here on the podcast. And while you're at it, follow Travis. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. Above all else, though, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Thank you for an amazing 2018 season and for an amazing 2018 calendar year. Happy New Year to you all. Happy holidays to you all. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. I'm a good